0: here we go flipping tables episode 11 and that's all i have to say about that yeah i'm mike edwards and i'm david lyons and we've got some stuff to talk about today
1: we do we have one small piece of follow-up uh so we had our our official theme song uh, officially last week thanks mike mm-hmm. and i should say about damn time mike <laughs> so work harder creative man so uh we, you know, some people followed up and said, you know, they liked, you know, the new song. Um, it's hard to compare to Anamata Gucci since I think they've been making tune music since before there were computers. Right. Um, but one person actually said they liked the big air quotes, inauthentic sounding <laughs> version that you played at the end, which was actually like your original alpha version. Uh-huh. And I was like, cause I'm... I don't know a lot about tune, but I, I'm a big fan of the genre. And I was, like, affronted. I was like, no, it's so much, it sounds too good. Like, there's there's echo, and, and there's all these effects that you couldn't possibly do. And this person was just like, yeah, I just like better. And I was like, well, I... No! <laughs> you can't argue
0: with that. Though. Yeah,
1: no, that's the crappy part is when you realize you're you're part of an argument that's entirely opinion-based, like, there's no <laughs> factual ground. Because, I mean, when you're debating the merits of, like, a life new... Life
0: cereal and cinnamon life.
1: You're wrong. Okay, first <laughs> off, I was
0: misrepresented. <laughs> I never said I didn't like cinnamon life. Or even that I always like regular life better than cinnamon life.
1: Cinnamon life is always better. They they only invented life cereals so they would have something to put cinnamon on and call cinnamon life.
0: Alright, this isn't entirely opinion-based at all.
1: (laughs) Regular life is all right, I guess, if, if you're a super taster and you put your own cinnamon sugar on it, <laughs> but otherwise, there's just no question.
0: If you turn it into cinnamon life.
1: I would love to, if if you're going to go back, so this episode will only have our, our new theme music on it, um, but if you go back and listen to episode 10, at the beginning there is the more authentic 8-bitty version, and then at the end is the more modern, like...
0: There's also show note links to SoundCloud uh, versions. Yeah,
1: sure. So if you go to flippingtablespodcast.com slash zero one zero for episode ten, then you can you could listen to the whole episode, or you can just listen to those those two tracks. Because I'm curious what people think. I obviously prefer the more authentic kind of tune, and I know it's really because I have nostalgia glasses. Like it's yeah. just it just reminds me of childhood.
0: And while I feel like I'm supposed to not comment on such <laughs> things since I made the things, um, I am ambivalent. I like things about both.
1: Is that is that like a creative person thing, or you're not supposed to have an opinion about your own work?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Like Does Spielberg come out and say, like, I love this about Jurassic Park? And
1: Did you just equate yourself to Spielberg? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure most... I mean, unless you're like Kubrick or the Coen Brothers, I'm sure most directors would say, like, "Yeah, here's things I like about this project. Here's things I would have done differently." I can't imagine Kubrick doing that. He everything he's done is probably dead to him the minute he's done yeah. with it.
0: Miyazaki, same way.
1: Yeah, he yeah he just. Uh, I saw that that snippet from that interview mm-hmm. with him where he was like, "I'm always looking forward because otherwise I would just dwell on all just of hate my himself. mistakes." <laughs> It's like, so you're happy and successful because you never think about anything you've done before? It's kind of a weird ultra-zen, like...
0: No, I I have a blog post about that called Be a Little Bit Sad About Your Work. (laughs) (laughs) And it's about trying to find a balance there of, like, you can't just... Love everything you make because you'll never improve because you'll never see anything that needs improvement. Sure, but you if also you also can't be so miserable that you never want to try again. <laughs> so you have to like kind of hate yourself a little bit so that you want to change. But. Yeah,
1: that's kind of like the the fix it in post or the the iterate like startup yeah. sort of mentality, which I, I I hate a lot of those buzzwords and crap around startups, but. Around the office, we have adopted Ship It. It's yeah. just a way to, it's a conversation ender. Like, when people have been talking for too long and trying to make the sale, like, well, I'm just saying that I want to give you unlimited money and it can be in whatever currency you want. And it's like, no, just ship it, ship it. It's fine. <laughs> just, you've made the sale. Just stop
0: We're selling. We gain so little from continuing to hammer this out. <laughs>
1: exactly. Um, so, the, th- the first thing on our, our, Rundown is uh, the E.T. cartridges. So do you know about this? I know about, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so for anyone listening who doesn't know about the E.T. cartridges, um, there was a rumor back in, uh, what was it, like 83? Yeah, 83. um, There was the Atari 2600 console, um, very early game console, and they made the E.T. the extraterrestrial game. Which, I mean, everybody remembers...
0: It's famously one of the worst games of all time. Yes, it's, on it's any like console. It's like the room of games.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, even considering the what the Atari was, this was considered to be a horrible, horrible game. And their profits, or their, their losses on it, was going to be so uh, ridiculously extreme that they buried all of the cartridges in a landfill in the desert. <laughs> And, of course, Atari would never admit to that, and then as time went on, more and more people were like, no, that's just a ridiculous thing that people said. (laughs) Well, some people did, like, an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter to make a documentary about the video game crash of 83, and they got permission to go and dig the the landfill up and they found these <laughs> games
0: this is like finding pieces of Noah's Ark like yeah, thought, like everyone's like no that's made up
1: yeah everyone was absolutely <laughs> sure this was total BS I mean it was one of those rumors like everybody wanted it to be true because yeah. it's funny but it sounds like so childish like y- you have a multi-million dollar company that's like oh we made this terrible game we will sweep it under the rug <laughs> and then act like nothing ever happened
0: Maybe that seemed viable in the 80s compared to today. Like, you can't sneeze without the internet being like, he sneezed. Oh, why did <laughs> he sneeze? He do that? archived. Yeah. He sneezed. What
1: does this mean for the industry? <laughs> yeah, so um, they buried close to a million of these cartridges. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's not like they had to throw away a couple hundred of these or even a few thousand. Like, according to the Wikipedia articles, 728,000 cartridges.
0: Did this just devalue all the other ones that were floating around?
1: (laughs) My suspicion is no, and the reason I say that is because the they steamrolled the cartridges, like they intentionally (laughs) physically destroyed them, so that they would not people would not want to go and recover them. Mm -hmm. Nobody is going to Indiana Jones destroyed plastic, (laughs) so um, I think it will. If you could get a hold of one that was like in the original shrink wrap and all like manhandled and destroyed, I think that by itself would be kind of a collector's piece if Mm -hmm. you're weird and have a lot of money. Um, But I don't think it would replace a working cartridge. Now, that being said, you can actually play the ET game online in an emulator in your browser. And the only reason I'm not going to link to it in the show notes is because the only ones I could find were Java plugin based, and I refuse
0: Ooh, to use anything yeah.
1: in my browser that I I can avoid if it uses Java. That
0: is like a principle we're not going to.
1: Yeah. So forego. if if you want to use that, you can Google Atari emulator in the browser. It's just
0: someone's too lazy to find another way to do it.
1: I there probably isn't a huge demand for Atari emulators. Right. You're probably better off just going to YouTube and watching, watching 30 minute, seconds yeah. of someone playing the worst, <laughs> one of the worst games ever made.
0: I think there's an angry video game nerd about it.
1: Oh, I can't imagine that there isn't. Yeah. And see, that's something I would like to He's pretty
0: good about documenting...
1: Why something's horrible? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... I just love the childishness of burying your problems, (laughs) like literally (laughs) burying them underground and then acting like it didn't happen. So way to go, Atari, I guess. Ha ha. But they were found. And now there's going to, it's like the angry video game. Is it actually, is it him? Holy crap. Angry video game nerd, the movie. So is he the one who got this money together to go and find this?
0: Um, no. No. Well, he's making a movie, but I don't think it has anything to do with an ET documentary.
1: Oh, maybe they just mentioned him because he so famously hated all over this game. Yeah, which is you know reasonable. I don't. I, I the game. I mean, it's it's a really dated piece of software, but I just there's no way to defend it. Like it's just bad. It's yeah. bad even for the time. Yeah. Um. It's not. Uh, Custard's Last Stand bad, because that was also like morally reprehensible yeah. as well as terrible software, right. but this is just terrible software. It's
0: not Birth of the Nation, it's The <laughs> Room. <laughs> I,
1: I think, is that the second Birth of the Nation joke you've made in two days this year. Though week?
0: famously, I, I think it's Roger Ebert that got in, in trouble for putting it in his great movies list. Oh, really? Because he's 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 willing to separate the evil racism of that movie from the cinematic quality of the production that's and so he's like yeah this is an important piece of the history of film and it's an awful piece of human garbage at the same time (laughs) yeah but people apparently weren't willing to let him have that nuance to it
1: (laughs) yeah and i mean that that kind of sounds a lot like the historian's argument where they're like, well, we don't want records of all these atrocities. It's like, have you ever heard the phrase, those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it? It's like, and also,
0: like, to some degree, there's a matter of perspective. Like, are there atrocities you're going to include because you don't think they're quite as bad? Isn't that, like, depend on who you were oh, surrounding yeah. certain atrocities?
1: Yeah. But yeah, so if you're like, oh, well, this doesn't really affect me, so I don't see it as huge. Yeah, trust. it's like, so
0: your editorial hand gets to decide what history
1: is. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I can't think of the right word to use, but isn't a historian supposed to be, like, uh, morally removed from what they're reporting? Like, you're just supposed to report what like happened. Like a journalist? Yeah. Like a, a true historian, that I'm sure they can. They put their interpretation on it when the information's limited, but it would be very awkward, I think, to start a book about Hitler with yeah. Hitler was bad because, <laughs> like, although most people would agree on that, like, then you're not reporting facts; yeah. you're reporting opinion. Although, again, most people would argue that he was empirically bad. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think it just depends. I wonder if there's different schools of thought because there's there's another viewpoint of. Everyone is opinionated, and pretending you're not is just a disservice to your argument. So, our recording machine just broke, and it broke we're all coming right place. back in.
1: Which is okay. So, the first nine, ep- no, eight, eight episodes we did were we used a MacBook Air as our recording platform, which was also. What Mike was taking notes on and surfing the internet on to find links to things we were going to throw in the show notes, now a standalone iMac, which is doing nothing but powering the recording, somehow keeps getting defeated. It's the spinner, I'm telling you. Yeah,
0: it's not only not SSD, but it's a four-year-old iMac, so it could also just be that the drive is...
1: So it's basically a doorstop now.
0: ...heading toward its last days. Not even... So let's trust it with our podcast. (laughs) It's
1: not even powerful enough to run an Atari Java emulator.
0: (laughs) All right, let's move on from that history stuff we just got. That was the nature's way of saying stop (laughs) talking about that.
1: That's true. Um, so we talked about Heartbleed, um, and I'm, I don't mean to get into the business of like security on the internet updates, but uh, there's a zero-day bug in IE versions six through eleven, which is <laughs> functionally all of them, because I don't think anyone anywhere is running anything before IE six. So no,
0: that you're you're solidly in the nineties. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So. Uh, the government actually, because they know a lot of banks and and offices still use, and hospitals Ah. and stuff, still use like IE8 on Windows XP and cannot upgrade. So a lot of tech journalists um, before Windows XP finally went out of support, I noticed a lot of people were saying they've already found bugs, they've already found exploits, and they're just waiting and then the minute Mm-hmm. XP goes out of support, they're going to all start coming out of the woodwork yeah. and being like, oh, look at this bug we found. Oh, look at this exploit. Oh, look at this other thing. And if you're still running XP, you're you're screwed. Yeah. Um, the only workaround right now, and this is actually word from Microsoft, is use a different browser. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're on Windows XP, you cannot upgrade beyond 8, and Even if you could, your browser is never going to get patched because you're on XP. So you're done. Like, this is now a problem forever. This is like a brick went through your window, and you can never buy a new window. Yeah. You just have this portal. You have to move. Yeah, you have to buy a new house.
0: (laughs) The neighborhood is broken. Move out.
1: (laughs) So I'm going to throw a ZDNet link in the show notes if you want to read about the specific thing. But um, I just... I can't believe, and so we teach, you know, Mike and I are both instructors um, for the University of Colorado Denver, and one of my students does a lot of their work from their office because they're allowed to do that. So the student is allowed to work from their office, and the computers in their office are XP machines, and it seems like every couple of weeks this student would contact me and say, I can't do such and such because the computer I'm working on only runs IE8. I'm like, then install Chrome. Like, well, it's an office computer. I'm not allowed to install software on it. It's like, then use a different computer. Yeah. This is You need to take ownership
0: of your education <laughs> and have the technology you need to do the yeah. work that needs to be
1: done. And I find it extra frustrating, because not only was that impacting the student's ability to do the work in my course, but the industry that they worked in should not be using this incredibly dated technology.
0: Yeah, if I interviewed somewhere and that's like, I saw the computers, I'd just be like, nope, 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 nope.
1: Yeah. If your tech stack is older than your employees, then... (laughs) You,
0: that's a pretty extreme litmus test.
1: Maybe of one of fail. my students is like only 13 years old. <laughs> They're not, but... <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that's... that's I mean, when was Windows XP actually released? Was it 2000 or 2001? One of those. It was...
0: 2000, I want to say.
1: Come on, Wikipedia, faster! 2001! Okay. G- general release sale, October 25th, 2001. So... We're very rapidly coming up on 14 years old. Yeah. That's – okay. So, I mean, the long and short of that is just stop. Stop it. (laughs) S-T-A-H-P. Stop. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) So if you're still using XP and you can't upgrade, stop using IE at least. And for everyone who's saying they can't go to another browser, um, Google portable apps. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put a link in the show notes, portableapps.com and then you can run Chrome or Firefox off like a thumb drive or something. But it's just there are ways around this that do not expose all of your personal information <laughs> to the entire universe through 14-year-old software. All right. So I want I want to hear about your your Okay. Your AI idea. What what first brought this up?
0: I can't remember when it occurred to me, but it was in the past week. Um I was just thinking about how right now we have sort of these these what will eventually be seen as even more primitive virtual assistants like Siri or Google Now or Cortana for Windows Phone of like
1: Shout out to Windows Phone. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um uh, you know, they're they're kind of annoying, but it's sort of like, yeah, it's Siri. But how long until the the Star Trek computer idea is a reality, but not only that, that the AI that helps someone live their life, answers questions for them, does things for them on request, is so personalized and customized to the person, um, will that happen? But also, how long until a modern Jerry Seinfeld show (laughs) where he would be like, yeah, I had to break up with her. Her AI was so annoying or like so like so i'm i'm just imagining a scene like you're you're at, it's a movie night you're over at her place she uses the restroom and it's just you and the ai hanging out <laughs>
1: <It's> <laughs> and, just you and me now and man. the
0: ai starts probing or asking questions of you like it's like a protective intelligence for <laughs> this person and you're just like man that's a hell of a gatekeeper on hanging out with this person
1: well I'm thinking so if it if it really got to like a high level of uh fidelity, like a, a high level of realism, do you think it would be more like a overbearing parent figure who's like, "So, what's your interest in my little girl?" <laughs> or would it be more like the really annoying friend who's like <laughs> trying to be friendly, but is yeah. obviously like so, where'd you go to school? So what do you do? <laughs> so you 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 pretty stable in your job? Your car. That's running? what I'm saying.
0: Like, will that happen? But only AI assistant doing it, or or like even just like you're judging the person based on how they customize their AI, mm. and just like ah oh, the the accent they gave their AI just drives me nuts, and the the. Playlists it generates are I, just so clearly,
1: and I can kind of imagine like the twelve and thirteen year old boys on the playground, like, "Oh, your your AI has a man's voice." Oh, uh, you you, <laughs> My ex- AI. you expletive and negative things that teenagers say on Xbox Live. You are right because it's like, oh, you know, if you're a prepubescent boy, like you're your AI would have to have, like, a sexy lady voice. And if you're, like, a teeny bopper girl, maybe your AI has to sound like your whatever popular celebrity at the time, right. you know? Ugh, I don't want this future. <laughs> but you know it's going to happen. Well, okay, so... I have not seen Her, the movie Her. I haven't
0: either, and I was kept thinking how we it would be nice to have that. Yeah, that,
1: that background information. Well, the one thing I can pull from it is... I'm fairly sure that their AI is a little thingy in their ear. So, to you, it sounds like they're talking to you in the room you're in, but to everyone else, they can't hear it. Which, and I'm not trying to give Orson Scott Card credit for this, but in the Ender's Game series, after Ender's Game, uh, the books shoot forward like 3,000 years, yeah. so technology is kind of taken off, and... um he has a computer assistant he talks to through a jewel in his ear, um, but he does it through uh, what's called subvocalizing, where you just you kind of like yeah right. So it's like a
0: so it's pretty private,
1: right? But people know you're talking, so it's private, but it's like you're holding up a big sign that says yeah. I'm I'm doing something privately, so. I kind of wonder would it be better if i came over to your house and you and your ai had a conversation in front of me the way you would if you just had another person there (laughs) or would it be better if i didn't have to deal with your ai right
0: i guess it depends because like couldn't both be possible like sometimes you might Oh, I guess you would always have your own AI with you then, right?
1: But and wouldn't that well, cause like the, you, you know,
0: like you're wandering through her house and you just need to turn the light
1: on. And oh, so, so, you're, so you're like Jill's AI turn the <laughs> the bathroom lights on or whatever. Um, yeah, but I don't know because it would depend on the level to which we humanize them. I think just like you, if it was more like a pet or a servant then you might be okay, like, giving them orders. But if we treated them as more, like, friends and peers, like, I would not come over to your house and just tell your wife, like, get me a drink, <laughs> right? Like, it would be a request. Yeah. And more more likely, I wouldn't even say, can you get me a drink? I would say, can I get a drink? Like, mm. I just need your permission, but I don't want to inconvenience you. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, if I thought of your AI as, like, a machine, then I would just say, like, you know, Pepsi, please, and expect it to pop up, like, in Back to the Future, yeah. <laughs> right out of the counter. Um, oh, and Now I'm kind of wondering, because if you did both, where you addressed them and you could, like, sub-vocalize or type or something, that would be weird. Right? Just like if I was over at your house and you leaned over to your wife and looked at me but mumbled something (laughs) to her.
0: Yeah. Like, that would be weird. It's, It's not a good look. Yeah, it's
1: not a good look. To suddenly have that strange and unprovoked need for privacy yeah like can you not just discuss whatever you're discussing after i go should i go right now (laughs) so i don't know maybe all one way or the other would make more sense or maybe just the social boundary would be when when company's over i do not quietly mumble to my ai but if i'm on the subway i'm not out loud like next page (laughs) next page (laughs) Skip song. <laughs> Cause that would a train full of people doing that would be terrible. It'd be like if everybody had an Xbox One. Oh man. I think it's a so the, the sub- Xbox <laughs> the, I have to just throw this out. So the Xbox One has uh, voice controls, right? And um so I don't know if it really works this well, but it was a funny video on YouTube. I'll see if I can find it and put it in the show notes, but this guy made his gamer tag um Xbox off so then, like, these kids would be playing, and they're like, Oh, that's funny. Your gamer tag is Xbox off. And then it would turn their <laughs> Xbox off. It would just off.
0: pop up a confirmation, but it would.
1: You're right, but that locks your controls out for a second. Yeah. So if you're playing, like, Call of Duty, now all of a sudden it's like your character went into a coma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in and you can hear war. them, like, Hey, Xbox off.
1: Hey, oh! Yeah. <laughs> like, they all react they're like, right? Oh, no, no. Yeah, I got to see. You. Continue with the thing I wildly interrupted while I see if I can find
0: this. Well, I'm just wondering, like, will that become a thing beyond, like, or will it just be another in the list of, like, the way people dress, the way they smell, their their choices in any cultural thing? Will the AI customization just join that roster of subculture categorization that humans will never stop doing to each other?
1: Do we categorize people by smell?
0: (laughs) Well, maybe that's a little more subconscious, <laughs> a little ceremony,
1: but a <laughs> little ceremony. <little> <laughs> um, yeah, I, you're probably right because, and he, here's my my like, this is the one piece of information I'm cruxing my whole argument on, is because all of the big tech companies. Um and, and most of the credit for this really does go to Apple, but all of the big tech companies have really pushed started pushing design, and now that wearables is on its way to becoming a thing, uh, like Apple hired a bunch of fashion executives, Google's hired tons of designers, mm-hmm. Microsoft is got their Play Doh and Etch a sketch. So so like everybody's trying to make these things not techy, right? Because like, in the 80s and 90s, what did you think about someone who wore a calculator watch? Like, yeah. that person was a huge nerd, but in the late 90s and early 2000s, someone who wore, like, a GPS watch, oh, they, they were, like, a running enthusiast. It's like, yeah. oh, you must be a big hiker. You've got that Garmin GPS watch. So you can make tech either techie and limit your market to tech people, or you can make it, like, sexy and fashionable
0: I just love that switch because in the 80s, you had a, a miniature computer on your wrist. You're like this dumb nerd. <laughs> nerd. <laughs> but today, everyone's got a supercomputer in their pocket, and they wouldn't give it... They'd like fight you to the death if you tried to take it from them.
1: It's true. <laughs> and so that, to me, says that the industry is going towards more fashion personalization because... I mean, from a business standpoint, that's the bigger market. Mm -hmm. There are more people than there are people who specifically care about technology. Um, I have some family that I won't call out by name that is well-known for hating technology, like not identifying with it, not wanting it at all.
0: proactively opines about this? Yeah, just
1: a total Luddite. And even this person carries a smartphone. (laughs) So that... I mean, I know that's anecdotal, but that to me Actually, is... A st-
0: what you holding there? Oh, <laughs> oh, still hate technology.
1: Exactly, because they don't think of it as technology, right? It's, like, it's no, a tool. it's just my phone. <laughs> yeah, it's a tool that does a specific job or jobs or whatever that they think are important enough to have, but it's not a calculator watch.
0: Which is like a you're-not-wrong perspective. Like, yeah, these are just tools. Right.
1: Well, this is where <laughs> Steve Jobs or... Um, Johnny Ive or somebody would step in and say, like, well, when the tool has been designed properly... It transcends. The, it, <laughs> the technology just fades into the background, and it, it just becomes part of our everyday experience. <laughs> These tools bring us together. You can't see it, but I'm doing the interlocking synergy fingers. <laughs> synergy fingers. Synergy.
0: synergy. <laughs> I'm going to Google synergy fingers. <laughs> synergy fingers. And whatever image comes up first... <laughs>
1: Number 1 Google you could probably do a short podcast that was just and
0: it's a picture of a microphone <laughs> It's the first image. Hey.
1: <laughs>
0: and then vibram five fingers.
1: Uh, that's terrible. I was expecting at least no, some no. T- <laughs> terrible Microsoft clip art. You let me down Google. You let me down.
0: This is uh what we're going to post. Let me I am you. Anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so I I think um I think you're right. You're... Well, actually, you just posed a question. So I think the opinion <laughs> I'm attributing to your question it Whoa! <laughs> That's... Synergy okay. fingers. Synergy fingers. <laughs> so um, I think you're right. I think this is going to get to that annoying kind of point. Um, and, I mean, don't we already see this with technology now? Like, when someone reaches into their jacket pocket and pulls out their iPhone and they're like, oh look I I have the newest iPhone or they pull out the newest Galaxy and they're like oh look, I got the newest Samsung phone like that's annoying as hell Yeah, I don't see why that would be any different with AI, especially if... Or
0: even like the more judgmental side, like I see someone taking a picture with an iPad and I'm like, yeah I don't like you
1: (laughs) Snap judgment, which is worse, when someone takes a picture with an iPad or a laptop I'm gonna say iPad, <laughs> yeah. iPads worse. I mean,
0: it's so clearly less practical with a laptop, <laughs> but it, I guess, but there's something just so it, it's it's over the line of absurdity that it's like back to being just funny instead it, of it annoying.
1: Pac-Man's around to the other side. <laughs> yeah, so is it, I guess my thinking would be if someone takes a picture with an iPad, they probably have a smartphone they could have been using. If someone takes a picture with a laptop, that must be all they have.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: they don't, don't judge they me. They get out I don't the curtain anything. with
0: the separate light bulb and start <laughs> it. Like, I'm like, you must just have no other option. Oh, no. The,
1: it's got to be the uh, the phosphorus yeah. on the little wooden holder.
0: And, like, can you hold still for about six minutes? Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> don't move or smile. Um, so, yeah, I... I I don't see how that couldn't happen because we have always been like a keeping up with the Joneses kind of animal, like not even American culture is not improved on this at all. But I mean, humans in general, I think have long been, you know, Oh, well you have two saber tooth tiger skins. Well, I have three, you have 20 spears and I have 50 and you, know, you have six rocks, well, I, I have seven of, rocks.
0: bunch of jackasses trying <laughs> outdo each other.
1: Yes. I mean, because there was a time when it mattered, because the thing you were comparing was, like, food supply <laughs> or mates, you know? Like, I have more children, so my genes will cont- carry on. And I know it's some people hate when you reduce everything about right. human behavior like that, but it seems to hold up pretty well. <laughs> pretty well. So, yeah, I... What will your AI sound like? Will, will it be...
0: A British butler? Will Brit, we'll be, yeah.
1: Are you going to go like the Alfred from Batman route? Are you going to make it sound like your wife, or your parents, or your best friend?
0: <laughs> that wouldn't creep Shelby out at all that my AI also <laughs> sounds like her. And okay. that would be like something you could do without their permission. Or just like take samples of her voice. Yeah.
1: Now, if you really wanted to piss your spouse off, you would make it sound like your spouse but look a little bit different oh. like oh no honey I just I want to take you everywhere with me just you know taller and with lighter hair and, and maybe different glasses because I hate those glasses you know, just to, to make them feel as bad as possible <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, uh, I knew a person who used to call their GPS by their, their wife's name and their wife uh, did not, not at all. did not care for it <laughs> at all Um, and yeah I I see that happening not widespread maybe but I can totally imagine you go to your friend's house and you're like oh your AI looks and sounds a lot like your spouse only less annoying or worse it sounds
0: like my spouse what the hell man
1: (laughs) oh no so how would you get around that maybe before you can use someone's face and voice pattern it has to be like approved well how could you possibly prevent that <laughs> well think like on facebook right like if you tag someone then that person gets a notification so if i get face samples of like your wife to put there always my be I... a
0: way around it like
1: right but this i mean just because people can climb over the fence doesn't mean you don't build the fence yeah like the cattle still need to be fenced in, even though the fox can like just jump over the fence. Um, uh, <laughs> now, now I don't want this future. Now <laughs> I, I don't want to live
0: in this world anymore.
1: <laughs> now, you're creeping me out. You're starting to make me wonder if the benefits will outweigh the, the creepy and annoying well, factors. That's good. You
0: have to get rid of this like early 20th century blind optimism in progress. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, but I, I want all the conveniences I just don't want any of the creep
0: and you well, know you always there's always equal parts creep
1: yeah. <laughs> you never go full creep So I, would it be would there be laws around this kind of well, thing?
0: Laws always lag behind the creep
1: they do but I mean could you imagine eventually like you come over to my house and you find out that my AI looks and sounds just like your wife was that a crime? Being a
0: creep—that's <laughs> not a crime. It's not a
1: crime. So um, unauthorized reproduction of somebody's likeness—I
0: mean, there, well, there's I, no current legal framework. I yeah, guess there, there's, there is none. There is for like
1: because I'm not publishing it.
0: Well, like even just at least in America, I can speak. Like if I'm outside, I don't really have a lot of power to stop someone from photographing me. True and i mean maybe there's some limits depending on what they do with that photograph but in general i have no say i can't say you're not allowed to take a picture of me while i'm here right and like if i'm in my house yeah i'm like <laughs> yes yeah, so you cannot you yeah, through my window yeah but
1: so i i can imagine laws getting written for this yeah or just because like There's nothing to stop someone from taking that picture of you. There's also nothing to stop them from printing out giant posters and hanging them in their house.
0: Yeah. They can't get a billboard. And then playing back a recording of you talking in public. Right. And just, like, they're creeps, so they love that. (laughs) All these creeps. I'm sure this is
1: a huge population (laughs) of people. I feel like... (laughs) And serial killers. (laughs) Crossing the line to creating a simulacrum... Simulacrum? Simulacrum? Simulacrum. I'm shrugging. A facsimile? (laughs) Crossing the line to creating a facsimile, especially one that had a high, like, realistic... Like, let's just pretend there's technology where I can take a half a dozen samples of your voice and now I can make you say anything. Like, I can now synthesize you saying over the phone, like, my name is Michael Edwards and I authorize... David Lyons to drive my car off a cliff, or pay for things with my credit card yeah. or whatever. So like
0: that's going to be a problem. It
1: is going to be a problem. So they're going to have to twenty or thirty years know, later you, after you step it's problem. In,
0: like the optical technology will be so good that you just walk through a room and it now has a perfect three D model of you. Right. That's already here, basically with Connect.
1: Yeah. So you don't know it, but when you walk through the archway of my door, I, it scanned you, and
0: I now can use a <laughs> virtual model of you for anything for yeah. parody. For for humiliating you,
1: see, and this is why I'm I'm not anti legislation. There's lots of things that I think should be crimes um, that are not necessarily illegal specifically,
0: but like some of the presentation things we're going to talk.
1: About. Yes, um, but I do think that uh, we need not just as Americans, but globally, and maybe some other countries already have this, and and I would love to follow their model. We need a culture of shaming. And what I mean by that is it should be unthinkable that a certain thing would ever happen because the person would never be able to tolerate the shame of getting caught, right? So, like, you could line your doorframe with Kinect sensors and scan everyone who walked in... And some people in this country would probably argue, "Well, it's my house. If you come into my house, I'm allowed to do whatever I want." But it shouldn't be like, like that. Yeah,
0: maybe we won't change the law, but you should feel so ashamed, exactly, of being a creep.
1: Yes, that you would never do it. So, uh, culture of shaming is probably the worst possible phrasing. But <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Like, and in, in, in public too. You know, th- th- we have the expression in the business world: um, praise in public, shame in private, or, or punish in private. And I agree with that generally, but you should also be allowed... If someone's saying something totally asinine in a meeting... You mean like the owner of the LA Clippers? Yes! <laughs> it, sh- it should be okay for someone to say, Hey, stop saying that stupid crap you're saying. Now. Like, stop it right now. Yeah. You know? And, and we just don't have that kind of culture, in, th- in this country at least, where people are allowed to dissent... Because then everyone goes to freedom of speech. You're you're stepping up on freedom of speech. They're
0: totally misguided, crazy idea of what freedom of speech is. Yes. Which is that you're somehow free of consequences for saying whatever you want.
1: And that is absurd. It's like, yes, you can say whatever you want, and the government can't stop you. Other people can totally stop you. Like they, 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 can't
0: they, they can yell shut up, they can answer you, they can decide not to support your business or products, Yes, and that is not, yeah, it's really, I mean, I feel like it's blown out of proportion on 24-hour news where they just, it seems like everyone is bitten by this bug of misunderstanding of like, <laughs> I'm a professional that gets to yap at every McDonald's and airport TV screen that plays us 24 hours a day. <laughs> So our recording, our four-year-old iMac crapped out again, <laughs> and I will just never record with this machine again. Yeah. Um, Fool
1: me once, iMac.
0: Go back to SSD land.
1: Yeah. But, so yeah, I think your point is is completely valid. Um, the news blows pretty much everything out of proportion. Certainly, that's it. Almost seems like reporting on facts is no longer their job. It's <laughs> blowing crap out of proportion. That's become their job, but. I mean, I've dealt with this in personal, one-on-one conversations. Um, fortunately, not with anyone I have to deal with regularly, but I have actually been talking to someone, disagreeing with their opinion, and they have gone to the freedom of speech shield. Yeah. I'm like, no, i not... It's not a
0: shield for being wrong. Yeah. It's just a shield for you're allowed to say it.
1: Yeah, and it's like, I'm not stopping you from saying it. I'm disagreeing with you. There's. Yeah. And the difference to me is not that subtle.
0: No. And I, I don't know. I just hate the, like, someone disagreeing with you is not an insult. Someone right. insulting you is an insult.
1: See see how that word insult <laughs> is right in there? It's tricky, but if you listen close. I mean,
0: there are people that when they disagree, they insinuate that, therefore, the other person is an idiot. And that's not... A right. very healthy way to argue, regardless of which side of an argument you're on. but
1: well, I think a lot of people and I could probably do a whole podcast just about this, but a lot of people do not know how to argue. so even if you become emotionally heated when you're having a disagreement, you can't do things like say, "You're wrong because you're dumb." Or, you're wrong because I hate you. It's
0: called ad hominem. <laughs> yes.
1: I mean, these are logical. There's a whole big list of them that were defined like three or 4,000 years all ago. all <laughs> these
0: ways that people try to avoid having to state a position and back it up with reasons.
1: Yes. It's and, like, and reasons can be opinions, but yeah. your opinions can't, like, you can't attack the other person. You have to attack their argument. You can't appeal to authority. Like, this is one I think the business world is rife with, right? Is like... We've always done it that way. Or so-and-so prefers when we do it that way. It's like, yeah, but those are not good reasons to do anything. Yeah. Right? I mean, you always... Unless you
0: follow it with, and he's the boss and will fire us if we don't do it that way. Right.
1: But then the real reason is we will get fired, <laughs> yeah. not so-and-so said so, right? But, I mean, I know I'm. uh, anyone who's ever talked to me knows I'm prone to hyperbole, but whenever someone says we've always done it that way, my first thing I think of is how did you get potty trained? Yeah. Like, you always crapped your pants. Why'd you stop? Like, you had all this historical data to support that that way worked just fine. And I know, obviously, that's really hyperbolic, but that is how these people sound to me. So, I just decided we have to do an episode about logical fallacies. Okay. <laughs> but I, we already have something else to talk about today. So, um, in our our jobs and in our, our careers and maybe a little bit personal lives because we go to some meetups and stuff, uh, we see a lot of presentations. Um,
0: uh, oh, God. Do we see <laughs> a lot of presentations? Yes. Yeah,
1: so, uh, stage presentations, panels, webinars. Vendors,
0: salesmen. Yeah.
1: Vendor demos. Um a lot of vendor demos like online, like that seems to be more, uh, yeah. And so, we, we started a good. list of presentation <laughs> sins, and there's actually so I'm gonna link in the show notes, uh, to a website I think it's speaking.io, it is, yes, yeah, speaking.io. Um, uh, this so this is Zach Hallman, uh, a GitHubber. He does a lot of speaking. GitHub is, is a big proponent of like sending their people out to do speeches. They do speeches within GitHub to each other um, to keep communication open. And he just kind of compiled this little list of things you should do b- to prepare for a talk you're going to give. And everyone who's going to speak at a conference or is a salesman that does webinars and that kind of thing, you need to be familiar with... Items like this. So the first one on our, our list was, um, a sin is walls of text. And then the extension of that is people who just read the slides. So yeah. I can't remember who the quote came from, but it was, uh, your presentation should be incomprehensible without you. So if I can just look at your slides and read everything and I get no additional benefit from the speaker, You've already failed.
0: Yeah, you should have just published that online and never been in my life and I could have ignored both you and your presentation.
1: Yeah, and cuz that you didn't make a presentation, you wrote an article.
0: Yep. Right? So just you write, wrote a very bad article presented in yeah, this awful way.
1: This <laughs> the worst format. Cuz I
0: can't read it on the toilet. I can't. <laughs> I can't change the page myself. I have to wait for you to read it out loud. Yes. So the like wa- a bad audiobook.
1: The walls of text one, I feel like, is I think probably the most abused. Yeah, like that. I see that more often than any other sin, unless you just count lack of being. Prepared, well, to me, it's it's unpreparedness. Just
0: this, this faulty idea that your notes are the presentation, or that a bunch of information is a presentation. Yes, and that's not the case. Yeah. Or it's not even information, it's data. It's just like...
1: Yeah, so unless you're presenting like a scientific paper, like, here's the data we found, and it still shouldn't be a wall of text, it should be like a chart.
0: Well, to me, it's like, an analogy would be like, the presentation is called How to Make an Amazing Lego Spaceship, and you're like, all right. Yes. And then the presentation is a bunch of Lego blocks <laughs> dropped on your lap, and you're just like... Okay, well, I realize these are part of a spaceship. Right. But you didn't do anything for me.
1: Yeah. I already (laughs) knew that spaceships and Legos were a thing. (laughs) What I need is how to turn my Legos into a spaceship. Yeah. yeah. Um, This other one, Excessive Autobiography and Introduction. Is rampant. It is. So we were at um, a conference not that long ago. And I think one of the talks, because these were 50-minute talks, right? Which is
0: already too long for most people.
1: Yeah. So 50 minutes is going the correct direction if you consider an hour to be the standard. Yeah. So that's good. But I I like 30 to 40 minutes for a a presentation at a conference or a a demonstration or whatever. Yeah. but one of the the talks, I think we clocked their introduction at twenty two minutes or something absurd.
0: Yeah, it was a full academic history. It was like they're reading their CV. Yes, and then like a full like outline of what they hoped to talk about during their talk.
1: Yeah, which made me think back to fifth grade. The like, tell them what you're going to tell them tell them and then tell them you told them. But but you're not supposed to be quite that overt about it when you're a professional. Yeah. Like the, was it the, the, the five paragraph report. You remember that? And it's like, this is the, that was the highest level their skills ever got to was (laughs) a nine year old. When even
0: there, it's, it's not quite what that advice says. It's like, yeah, you, you sort of state your position back it up and then tie it all together like that's what they're really getting at exactly
1: but (laughs) they remember it in the the overly literal like it's the hamburger it's the 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 bun on top and the bun on the bottom are the same kind of thing there was a whole stupid chart it's like i remember this stuff but when i go to a conference or when i do a demonstration or i'm you know presenting to a class or whatever i don't Follow it quite that literally because yeah. it's boring as hell. And there was another uh, another talk we sat through that I feel like is kind of an extension of this, where they just listed the names of things that they had done, like yeah. like project titles. Yeah, it's like I. So let's, let's say you're rolling out um, word processors. It would be very weird for your talks to just be like. Microsoft Word, Microsoft Word two thousand ten, <laughs> Open Office,
0: Pages,
1: LibreOffice, Office,
0: Google Docs,
1: Etherpad, right? Like that. <laughs> and I mean, that's that's not really hyperbole. Well, like a, this talk was that for about my frustration 10 was
0: their their title was not representative of the content. No, the title was something like "You want to do what?" And it was about like when you're in IT people want all sorts of things, and how do you decide how to scale, what to implement? Yeah, Like of like an important topic if you're an IT professional. Yeah. The is,
1: description of the talk was interesting.
0: And all they did was list out technologies they had tried. Yes. And it wasn't even to provide insight on their the results of what they tried. Yeah, it was just literally was just a like, list
1: of technologies. Yeah, we
0: played with Adobe Connect. Yeah, we tried Hangouts. Yeah, we did this. And I'm just like, you're not giving
1: us anything of value. Yeah, which almost sounds like the way you would talk to someone who has context. Like if my boss asked me, what technologies have you tried to solve this problem? I might just list two or three technologies because they already know my feelings about it or I've reported findings to them separately. But in this talk, it was like, we don't know how these projects went. Like, can you please and I'm already
0: lacking in confidence in your credibility and this is not helping
1: Yeah. so you know another presentation sin that I just realized because uh, you you said about the title is a really good title and description followed by a really crap presentation is I,
0: even more disappointing it's, it's
1: presentation blue balls like there's it's just <laughs> Because we sat down to that that particular talk that I was not going to call out by name, Except but the you title did. Title of the episode: Presentation, <laughs> presentation Blue <blew off>. Balls. <laughs> yes, unless something better happens in the next ten minutes. <laughs> um, but I I feel like we sat down to that and we were like, because it was an interesting topic that applies to our work. Obviously, that's why we were there. Yeah. But it was like an interesting title. The description w- was more interesting, and then they started, and it was just like, oh my god. <laughs> this is awful. And then it continued and just got worse and worse. The
0: the medium was communicating a confidence killer too of like, so they they were representatives of exploring certain kinds of web conferencing technology. Right. I won't say anything more. (laughs) And they were connecting to us via web conference. Yes, it
1: was a remote talk.
0: And it was a terrible web conference. (laughs) And so you're supposed to respect their expertise on these platforms they supposedly are masters of. And it was awful. Yep. And which you might say, well, maybe it's not their fault. The conference maybe had a bad connection. But the opening keynote to the conference was an exceptional web conference experience. Yes. He was present. There was no lag. It was clear. It sounded great.
1: Yeah. And there are things like, obviously, the, f- the quality of the network is a little bit outside your control, but there are other things that you do control, like the quality of the microphones, the positioning of the camera, the um, the yeah. if you have depending on what software you're using, you can put like a, a lower third that has like named information stuff on it. So I mean there are things about your presentation besides network lag that are totally within your control yeah. that they did not control.
0: For example, there's slides. Yes. Full of typos. Full of uselessness.
1: That is that one on here, typos? Well, you, okay, so we said being obviously unprepared. And I think, so I, I've seen a lot of talks where the speaker was super nervous. Yeah. And I sympathize with that because although I am now incredibly comfortable speaking in front of huge groups of people, there was a time when I wasn't. And yeah. it scared the crap out of me. It wasn't that long ago. I'm talking like college, you know. But I decided that, That was something I need to work on because I knew it was going to come up more and more in my Mm -hmm. professional life, and I worked on it. And someone who gets up and is nervous, I empathize with them. Someone who gets up and is nervous because they don't know what the hell they're talking about, they've never looked at their slides, they didn't rehearse the flow of their talk, Yeah, that I don't sympathize with because that you had control of. Yeah, that's just called
0: lack of effort. Yeah, That's not like, oh, I'm just not a great public speaker. Like That's a separate thing to work on
1: yeah and, and that
0: garners sympathy.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and and one of our, our colleagues, uh, we were all debating how do you handle a really crap talk? Like when you are physically present. So think you've gone to the, the hotel downtown or wherever and there's all the rooms where everybody's giving their talks and you're in one and the talk is just abysmal. And remember, I'm not counting things like network lag because that's beyond their control. Technical problems are – if they're beyond their control or beyond their ability to prepare for. Um, If they're just a nervous kind of person who doesn't like public speaking, you shouldn't punish people for that. If someone is obviously unprepared, if someone's slides are terrible and you're not getting anything useful out of it, what do you do? Yeah. (laughs) Do you get up and – so the the thing our, our colleague said was just get up and walk out. Like, yeah. not rudely. You don't like f- literally you don't turn your chair over, and
0: you don't flip a table. You
1: don't flip the table and be like, "This sucks. You suck. I'm out," <laughs> and, and just back away. Um, I hope that sounds good on the recording because I just rolled away from the mic. Um, right. So you shouldn't do that because then you are kind of stooping to their level of unprofessionalism. And, and worse.
0: Yeah. Um, much worse. Because it's, it's like a, personal attack. <laughs>
1: right. You've gone full ad hominem. Um, but I think, you know, quietly packing up your things and getting up and excusing yourself is probably the right way to handle it.
0: Well, especially if there's another session you can drop in on and yes. maybe gain something from. Yes. Or kill some email. Like, right. Do some work. Yeah. Go,
1: do, go do the hallway track. <laughs> um, I just, So would that still apply in a single-track style conference? Or would you just sit there and do email? I would
0: sit there and start multitasking. Um, so one of the things I love about our team is, not, I mean, we're, we're veering way too dangerously for talking about work. <laughs> but I close. feel like this is safe to say. When we go to conferences together, uh, we have a constant back channel on Google Hangouts text. That's true, so yeah, we're just chatting the whole time, and, and like, we
1: also do shared um session notes, yeah
0: we yeah, we have a google doc where we we all pile our notes on, and what that does is not only can you vent when you're in a bad session, <laughs> which is often unfortunately yeah. but you're not it's not a total loss because you can look at the notes of the other sessions and still learn something, yes, and so
1: well no, there have been a couple times where it's The venting leads to saving because you say, Oh man, the session I'm in is really bad. This person's so unprepared. Or sometimes it's just, you know what, this title was misleading. It turns out this doesn't apply to me at all. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that the presentation's bad, but
0: it's irrelevant. Yeah,
1: totally irrelevant. So then sometimes in that back channel, you get, Oh, this session's cool. I'm in room 205. And you're like, oh, and you just quietly pack stuff yeah. up and you move to room 205. So that back channel, um, although some people do consider that kind of rude, it it has saved our bacon yeah. more than once. We
0: gain too much out of it. I don't care. I mean, it's not like I'm like pounding Colbert calculator <laughs> style on the keyboard, but that keeps me sane because I'm already, I get tired of conferences very rapidly. You do. I can't, like <laughs> one day I'm kind of spent
1: yeah, you're designed for the uh, the single-track, single-day yeah. style conference. It's like you go in, you sit, you take notes, people talk, you take more notes, you get up, you go home, and yeah. then you're done.
0: I just get saturated. I'm just like, ah, uh, I, feel I like cannot the, brain today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I forgot how to brain. I feel like the... The 30 minute sessions, as opposed to an hour or even 45 minutes, help that. Oh, yeah. Because you're, especially if you have to move from room to room, because it's like you come in, you sit down, they can't introduce themselves for 20 minutes because then they only get 10 minutes to talk. Yeah. And then you take notes and then you get up and move. So every, excuse me, every 30 minutes, you're like moving, changing, finding something new to engage with. It's not hard. Yep. I, I just feel like conference organizers take way too much for granted. And stop t-
0: approving all the iPad titles.
1: <laughs> How to iPad with iPad. <laughs> iPads. In this iPad iPad, we will iPad with iPads. <laughs> iPadovich, iPadovich. <laughs> you dog! I heard you like iPads. So, yeah, but I feel like conference organizers take too much for granted in terms of what makes a good conference? Oh, the talks have to be an hour. Oh, well, we have to have this super long keynote that no one is going to care about. Oh, my God, oh we have to keynotes. do this because they just—they don't realize they're taking those things for granted. There's not because, a lot of Steve
0: Jobs out there. Like, don't do 90-minute yeah. keynotes, seriously. <laughs>
1: um, and then that extends to the speakers, right? They take things for granted, like, oh, well, I'll just put everything I'm going to say on my slides. Oh, I'll just use. Um, this really shit ke- uh, clip art from Microsoft PowerPoint, and who cares if my slides are laughably bad and I'm totally unprepared and mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm not an expert on the thing I'm talking about. So
0: that was Ben Stein. <laughs> 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 At yeah. a, uh I can't remember which exact conference in Denver. It was an education conference, and he was so obviously not an expert in what he was talking about. Online education. Yeah. And so obviously unprepared and giving or it sounded like he was giving a speech he gave somewhere else and trying to tailor it yeah, to be about online. Shoehorn it. And that And he he made the mistake of telling a room of educators that he thinks education should be a mindless assembly line. <laughs> That it should be, like, the and Model T.
1: Was there a discernible groan?
0: I think by that point in the presentation, people had already gone, like, this guy has no clue what he's talking about.
1: I think everyone in the public mind has a positive idea of who Ben Stein is from his movies. Yeah. But it seems like every time I hear something about him in normal life, I'm like,
0: uh Yeah. And it wasn't like, he wasn't making a nuanced point about automation and... Like adaptive learning, that it was like no, yeah, you, you don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> and I just I have to because th- we're we're coming up on the end yeah. here, but I, I have to throw this last thing out because I I used the phrase expert in your field or expert on your subject. I, I said expert. I don't think that you need to be an expert to give a talk. Um, I don't think you need to be an expert to even give a great talk because a a very useful talk could be. I tried to do thing A and it failed miserably. Here's what I did. Here's how it failed. Learn yeah. from my experience. You know, so you're obviously not an expert because this is your first attempt and it went horribly, Yeah. but that's useful information to share with the community. So I you don't have to be an expert. You just have to not suck at presenting. And these are all learnable skills. You can prepare. You can um, have good slides. You can... Here's
0: a hint. Not text. Yeah. Don't don't put text on your slides. Just put pictures.
1: Just pictures. <laughs> and then, they don't even have to be relevant pictures sometimes. like just Yeah,
0: just pretty pictures and you're talking. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That would already be better than almost every presentation. It could just be Monet <laughs> and yeah. you talking.
1: Totally fine with that. <laughs> if you're conveying useful information, you seem prepared, as prepared as you could be. If you're a nervous person, that's fine. I respect that. Um, and your slides don't trick me into reading them, then you are already in, like, the, the 90th percentile. Like, you're <laughs> yeah. so much better than the vast majority of talks. Quick side note, actually, I just thought of... Do you ever have subtitles turned on on your television? Yes. Okay. Do you have them on most of the time? No. Okay. Well, I have a very young child in my house, so the TV's usually down pretty low. Yeah. And I am trying so hard... To break the habit of reading when I can also hear. And I feel like that's what happens in every presentation. I I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if it's something about the written word, but if someone is saying and then we tried Microsoft is it just Office, vision
0: supersedes hearing.
1: Audio, yeah, I think maybe it does. If someone knows, I would love to get like research on this uh, but I, I think
0: it's like 80 20 on information it, yeah, import.
1: If if someone is reading words and I can see the words they're reading, I cannot not read them. Yeah. I I can't do it. It's unless I'm like shielding my <laughs> eyes and looking away. I mean, that's actually a good
0: and I'm just like years of RPG life means I read faster than them so I'm way faster like, so even if nothing else is wrong with their presentation I'm already annoyed because I'm ahead of them
1: yes yeah because then you're in the unskippable cutscene you're just like go 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 go. I, I get it I saw all the proper nouns I know what town I have to go to just go 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 go
0: <laughs> the game even highlights in a different color than the name of the towns
1: oh brave fencer that's such a good game <laughs> PS One, man, I would play that game now. I guarantee you that. Game Bought is it H-4. for the FF
0: Eight demo stayed for <laughs> stay
1: Stayed for the Brave Fencer Musashi. <laughs> so um, we actually have some some awesome little videos in the show notes. Uh, I f- I did find the Angry Video Game Nerd. Um, Et or is it E-T. Spielberg Games or? Yes, I think it is Spielberg Games. Um, so I'll throw that in there. So definitely check those out. Um, Lots of swearing in that. <laughs> Full warning. Yes. Lots of childish swearing. Lots of lot. Well, yeah, he's. It's basically the Xbox Live recording of <laughs> yeah. video game reviews of a
0: thirty-something year
1: old. Yeah, he does a really good frowny face, angry video yeah. game nerd. Like he actually pulls the corners of his mouth all the way down to his neck. <laughs> <laughs> How he does it. Um, but yeah, so FlippingTablesPodcast.com dot com slash. 010 zero zero for episode 11. 011. Um,
0: one one.
1: Right. <laughs> I was reading something and saying something to <laughs> Don't listen to me. Mike, just do the rollout, because <laughs> I'm, right. I'm Sh- terrible at this. Show notes at
0: pseudo-
1: pseudomotor. I'm just going to delete this whole <laughs> thing. <stuff. laughs> just delete the whole thing. Just episode over. <laughs>
0: David Lyons, where can people <laughs> find you on the internet?
1: People can find me at Lyons in Beta on Twitter or LyonsInBeta.com um, plus David Lyons on Google+. All
0: right. And I'm Pseudomichael.com or at M. Edwards Music for the Twitters.
1: The Twitters. Yes. So, and do bring on the feedback. Um, I would love to hear if any of our listeners are either still using XP at home if you're insane or <laughs> if you're still using XP at work because you're forced to, I would be interested to hear about that. And uh, anyone, I want to know more presentation sins. I know we didn't think yeah. of all of them. We just – those were the ones at the this most recent couple of events we went to that just assaulted us <laughs> every yep. single talk except basically the opening keynote mm-hmm. and that one other talk that I'm not going to – Yeah. There was one other talk that was good but i'm kind of biased because i was part of it
0: and he knows it was good
1: <laughs> yeah so you know who you are a guy who isn't terrible um so yeah i want to know more presentation sins um what are the ones you've seen what are the ones you've committed and you're trying to stop yep because I, I i honestly believe that all of the things that people find unacceptable are controllable Because if, like, your network is crappy, I know that's not your fault. It's upsetting, but I don't blame you. Yeah. Right? You, the presenter. So what are more sins? So throw it up on Twitter. Comment on uh, FlippingTablesPodcast.com. Mike, post to Facebook because he's into that sort of thing. (laughs) So you can comment there, too. But I want to hear it. What are the worst sins? All right. And any of the great ones we'll shout out next week.
0: Do it. <laughs> We're out.
1: We are out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: New theme music. It's, <laughs> <laughs> <Right there. laughs> it's that, uh, whatever that... Is. <laughs> what the? How do you Google for the name of that meme? <laughs> 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 <You just laughs> like, try and type it out. <laughs>